Welcome to Inside Schizophrenia, a look into better understanding and living well with schizophrenia. Hosted by renowned advocate and influencer Rachel Star Withers and featuring Gabe Howard. Listeners, could a change in your schizophrenia treatment plan make a difference? There are options out there you might not know about. Visit OnceMonthlyDifference.com to find out more about the benefits of once-monthly injections for adults with schizophrenia. You're listening to Inside Schizophrenia. I'm Rachel Star Withers here with my co-host, Gabe Howard. Gabe, today we're going to talk about motivation in schizophrenia. You know, when people hear schizophrenia, they're always like, oh my God, um, hallucinations, killers, murderers, like they think really dramatic stuff. And yes, I do hallucinate a lot. Unfortunately, most of the time it's really boring stuff like I'm seeing something wrong, like my my cup of water is is distorted, and I'm like, what am I looking at? And of course, the whole thing about violence, killing, all of that, that is what people think about, and it's so sad because it almost never happens. You should listen to our violence episode if you haven't already. Oh, absolutely. Yes, I meant just the general population when they hear the word. I'm sorry, not to... That's just like, yeah, the stereotype. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they think that you're lazy or violent. That, that's right. really, that's what they think. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, you have schizophrenia. You must be lazy, violent, and uh, definitely you're causing your family and friends to suffer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Why aren't you in a uh, locked up in a mental hospital? Why aren't you homeless? Mm-hmm. I'm shocked you can like make whole sentences. And we're here to dispel all of those myths. And the myth that we're working on today, as you said, is the whole motivation issue. Mm-hmm. Because... There's a big difference between being not motivated to climb a mountain and not motivated to get out of bed, which is not uncommon for people like yourself. The biggest thing I struggle with across the board with my schizophrenia has always been the negative symptoms, the depression, the stuff that keeps me down. I struggled with my whole life. And to look at me from the outside, you would see I've done so many projects, TV shows, radio, podcasts. Uh, but I've just done so many things across the board that you'd be like, dude, Rachel, like you're always up to something. What people don't see though are the days that I can't get out of bed. The days that I wear like my pajamas all day and I can't tell you what time it is. I'll realize I forgot to eat that day. I haven't taken a shower and you know, it's like mentally I'm gone. I have to set up my medication specifically morning and night. Like I set it up once a week labeled because I forget. Sometimes I just don't want to do things. Like, it's just, I don't know, it's like a hole in my head. Does that make any sense, Gabe? It does. It makes a lot of sense. And we know that that is an unfortunate outcome or a symptom of schizophrenia. It's a symptom of of a lot of mental illnesses, Mm -hmm. not being able to get out of bed, not being able to be organized, to get stuff done, etc. Do you think that sometimes it becomes sort of uh, when you're well and you're doing all the things that you need to do, they sort of forget about that when you spend all day in bed or you don't shower for three days, which compounds the problem. So rather than looking at, oh, my loved one is symptomatic, they're thinking to themselves, oh, she's always lazy. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. Especially when I get stuck in it for like a few months where I'm just a slug. You know, I don't know how to explain it. And I'm just mentally out of it. It's like there's nobody home in my head. And just doing the smallest thing, like, getting up and taking a shower and washing my hair is like a feat. <laughs> it's just a feat in itself that it's it's overwhelming. And sometimes I feel like it's overwhelming to try and get up and like walk across the room to my desk to take my pills, which are sitting there with water. But it, it's just strange. Some days like, yeah, I won't take my medicine until 5 p.m. Unfortunately, because 
I just laid in bed in kind of a delusional state. Let's touch on that for a moment. There's two things that have become abundantly clear in what you just said. You didn't take your medication. I think there's a lot of talk about people with schizophrenia not taking their medication. But the second thing that you said is that you want to. You want to take your medication. You just can't get up the motivation to move from your bed to, in your case, across the room to your desk. And not everybody is as fortunate to have their pills across the room. You know, sometimes it could be across town. It could be a pharmacy. It could be just whatever. Can you touch on that for a moment? Because I I really do think that it feeds into the idea that people with schizophrenia aren't trying to get better versus one of the symptoms of schizophrenia is is motivation issues. And it's hard to explain, but it's like, yeah, I know what I need to do. It is get up out of bed, walk across the room, just take your medication. Those like few steps just become overwhelming. And it's like all I can do to like mentally get myself moving. Um, and it'll be like big things, little things. As you said, my medication across the room. I'm uh, not going to lie. The other week, I was out of one of my medications for a week because it was sitting at Walmart and I, I just needed to go and pick it up. But the idea of getting in my car, driving 30 minutes there, I just couldn't do it. Thankfully, my mom eventually kind of was like, hey, do you need me to do anything? And I was like, if you happen to be going that way, <laughs> um, I do have something I need picked up. And she was like, oh my God, Rachel, as <laughs> you should have said something. But I didn't even, like I could have asked my parents at any point and I didn't. And I can't really tell you why I didn't. It was just, there was a, like a hole in my head there where I just couldn't seem to get myself to do that task. Motivation is difficult for a lot of people. It's not just the hallmark of people with schizophrenia. There's there's lots of people that could be more motivated. I think that that's just that's just a fact that we need to accept. But the motivation that you're talking about is very basic, right? You're not motivated to ask for help. You're not motivated to respond to a question. You're not motivated to participate in your own care. Are these things that are universal? For people with schizophrenia? Yes, and it's almost weird because I think to the outside world, motivation, that's a great word that makes sense. The actual, as far as schizophrenia and other mental disorders, is there's a term called avolition. And that is a symptom of different ones from schizophrenia. It can go into um, bipolar, different types of uh, personality disorders, but it's a decrease in motivation. So pretty much you lack the ability to initiate things. Like I kind of just said a minute ago, it's like, there's a hole. There's some reason that you can't do this thing, even though you want to. Like, for instance, some just normal ones you might notice in your friends and family would be like paying bills. For whatever reason, this person hasn't paid a bill. Thankfully, now that's why all my stuff is automatic. (laughs) It's for actually that exact reason. Because you realized it and you were able to work out. Yes. That's a coping mechanism that, that you have been able to to work out Mm -hmm. for yourself. And again, I think that it's important that people hear you want to. It's not a lack of desire. You're not, because I know that a lot of times people with schizophrenia, well, they don't want to get well. They're not trying. They're happy with the way things are. And that's not true. That's that's what abolition is. Let's Mm -hmm. really nail down abolition versus laziness. Let's really talk about the difference. It's not lack of desire. It's lack of ability. To fully understand how it's different from laziness. Laziness just says, I don't care. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to chill. Whereas abolition is more, I know what I need to do. I want to do it. There's something holding me back from being able to do this thing. And it's like a, a mental hole in your head of something is stopping me and making this incredibly difficult. 
And there's tons of good examples, you know, failing to show up for a scheduled event or meeting, failing to deal with everyday responsibilities with your family, ignoring the phone ringing. Mm -hmm. And that's like a really, that's like a really simple one, right? The phone goes ring, ring. You say hello. That doesn't seem all that hard, but it it can be monumental. I am terrible about that with even um, texts, emails. Unfortunately, sometimes I will let emails like pile up for three months knowing like they're there. I've read them, but... I just can't seem to get the energy up to reply. And then when I reply, you'd be like, Rachel, you literally wrote one sentence. And I'm like, I know, but that was, I don't know why. I just, I had to wait for a good day that I could sit there and bam, bam, bam. I don't know. And and even like text messages, someone will say, hey, do you want to hang out? And unfortunately, a lot of the times like that just seems overwhelming to me. And I want friends. I want to hang out. I want to make connections. Then the opportunity comes up and I'm like, I don't know. I was like, oh, you know, that just, it's just overwhelming. The idea I have to get up, get dressed, go somewhere, act a certain way. I don't know. And I know that a lot of people feel that you're ignoring them on purpose. I mean, this is a real human to human relationship thing. This transcends one person having schizophrenia. I know that if I text my wife and she does not respond back, I think, aww, why, why, why is she ignoring me? This has nothing to do with no. mental illness. I just, I feel like I want my wife to take a moment out of her day and acknowledge the thing that I texted. So the person on the other end, the person who texted or called and isn't getting a response, they tend to see what is happening from that perspective. Why is my friend, loved one, family member not responding to me? And they believe that it's almost malicious, mm-hmm. but that's not what's happening from your perspective. From your perspective, there's this giant mountain that is answering a text message, and you can't climb it. I see it. I have the tools around me, but I can't. It's like my mind. I can't figure out how to use those tools to climb it. And this is specifically a negative symptom Mm -hmm. of schizophrenia, correct? Yes. So for all of my people out there, in case you didn't know, negative means lacking. So something that is lacking out what you would call the normal person. And then if you hear positive symptoms, a positive symptoms would be something added to, quotation marks, a normal person. So like most people don't have hallucinations, that would be added to. Most people have motivation to get up and brush their teeth. If you don't, that would be negative. You're lacking it. Yeah. So to be clear, you're not saying that Because you have schizophrenia, you can never be lazy. Mm -hmm. People with schizophrenia absolutely unequivocally can be lazy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can many days be lazy. So just because someone doesn't want to do something, if you're a friend, loved one watching this, going to have to kind of don't just let everything slide. Even my like my dad knows that at a certain time, if he hasn't seen me up and moving around, he needs to step in and help push me. Because honestly, he's not sure if I'm just being super lazy or there is something wrong with me. And I like how you put that. He needs to help. You you didn't say my father orders me to go for a walk or my friend demands that I do X or tells me that it's for my own good. He helps you because he's not sure. So he keeps an open mind. So other examples of abolition versus laziness are. So if I have to go into Walmart and pick up my prescriptions, like I did the other week. I know I have to do it. Um, laziness is, oh, I just don't want to drive over there. I don't want to stand in line. Oh my goodness. I'm going to have to like talk to people. Um, abolition is, okay, I need to do this. I know I need to do this, but there's something I just can't seem. It's overwhelming. The task itself has become overwhelming of me having to put on clothing that would be appropriate to walk outside in. I have to get in my car. I have to drive 30 minutes there. I'll have situations where like the idea of walking into a store 
is overwhelming because I know how bright it's going to be. I know there's going to be people everywhere. There's a lot of sounds and it's just overwhelming. And I can't get out of my car and go inside. And I can't really say why. It's not like I'm scared. It's just, it's too much, you know? I I could easily do it the next day, but there's something that it all becomes hard for me. It's like there's just this, this wall that says you can't go any further, even though I want to. And with things like that, it takes me having a good day to be able to go and do certain things. Uh, certain days, like you'll be like, whoa, you got so much done, Rachel. Yeah, on good days, I'm like, choop, 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 choop. I like it so, I do all the work I can possibly in prep because I, I never know when it's going to go the other way. So it's one reason I set out all my pills for the week. I set out all the clothing I'm going to wear for the week. One of the hardest things for me is when I do go to my part-time job where I work, I have to I have to look really nice. And trying to put together an outfit, sometimes I can't do it. And you're like, Rachel, just his pants and a shirt and, you know, but I, I can't. It's like there's, I just can't. I'll have the hardest time putting on clothes because I can't focus. So what I do is I lay them out ahead of time. So I know, okay, I already set these two together. Just put them on. Don't, don't worry. Just put them on. <laughs> That's a little bit of personalness about me, what I struggle with. Uh, but listeners, I would like to know something about you. Uh, please take a brief three-minute survey so we can better understand our audience. If you'll go to psychcentral.com backslash survey 19 and fill that out for us, that would be awesome. The goal is to learn about you so that we can make the best possible show for you. And you'll be entered into a drawing to win $100 from Amazon, Void Were Prohibited. So we really appreciate it. I, I, I have a specific question, though. Okay. Is this like fear? Are you afraid to answer the phone or you just don't have the ability to do it? And and other things that kind of pop up in my head are like social anxiety mm-hmm. or just, it's kind of what it sounds like, but is it different from that? Yes, it's different. You can totally have social anxiety and have schizophrenia. I mean, I've had times where I went to a party I don't do well around people I don't know. And I was so nervous that I couldn't get out of the car. And I was just, I was terrified of what was going to happen. Evolution, lack of motivation is not that. I'm not scared of anything. I can walk in there, you know, and I'm not going to like burst into tears. When it comes to abolition, you're not scared of anything. Whereas with social anxiety, you are scared. Correct. But the end result is the same. You don't do it. Yes. There's some reason I can't. It's not just the reason it's, oh, I'm terrified. Um, I'm shaking. Abolition is just... There's a hole missing and I don't know what to do. And usually I don't make it to the party and sit in my car. It's I I don't even get to the point of wearing clothing to go there. I I, for some reason with me, clothing is a big issue. And I know it is with other types of people, you know, that have certain mental disorders have told me that too. And if you're a friend, loved one, it sounds silly, but that can really help some people is just being like, hey, you look really good in this outfit. When someone gives me a compliment about an outfit, I like mention them like, okay, these go together really well. I'm going to put this in my lineup for next week. <laughs> like, it's just bizarre, but it's almost that confirmation I needed to, okay, check. That's one outfit I have down for next week. Let's talk about how we can help motivate people with schizophrenia, how people with schizophrenia can get the support that they need and feel more motivated. What's the treatment for this? Because I don't think anybody wants to walk away and believe, oh, well, this is a symptom of schizophrenia. Nothing could be done. This is your life now. And that's certainly not what we're saying. The treatment is cognitive behavioral therapy, getting therapy to help you figure out how to get over these holes. Um, The other thing is medication management. 
And I wish I could be like, oh, there's a special pill you can take and you'll be fine. As if you've been taking medication for any amount of time, you know that is not true. It's an ongoing process and sometimes trying different medication and there really isn't a set motivation pill. And it's really important to understand that this is an excellent example of where medication and psychotherapy really do go hand in hand. And it's amazing if you're able to find a place where you can have the therapy and it's connected with whoever is your psychiatrist doing the medication. That's one thing is I was lucky to get a counselor recently who is at the same center as the person I see who does the medication. So I'll be able to talk to her and she's like, you know, Rachel, I've been hearing a lot of such and such. Are you having issues with your depression? Maybe I should put a note in your chart and next time you might want to bring that up. So that that's actually worked out really good for me as far as a lot of my management is having those two people. Someone who knows me, you know, on a more personal level of me sharing again therapy and working with me to be able to kind of tell the other one. So very cool if you're able to set that up kind of situation. Let's talk about what our, our loved ones, our friends and family can do to help us deal with lack of motivation. Communicate, talk to us. Don't like aggressively push. Don't holler. Don't get mad. I like we said earlier, yes. Someone with schizophrenia can totally be lazy, okay? So they're, you know, it, it totally could be them being lazy on some things, but kind of ask some questions. See if you're able to start understanding the difference and what it is. So communicate. So if you see, okay, I'm having trouble. I have not taken a shower all week. This needs to change, like for a lot of reasons, just general health reasons. Talk to that person. Figure out where the breakdown is. Okay, what is keeping them from doing this task? Okay. See if you can help and see, again, these are little things. So if you know I'm not taking my medication, there's something going on, step in like my mom had to with me and be like, okay, I'm going to go and get it. And she said, I'll go and get it. If you're able to step in and figure out where is this person having the issue, if it's bill paying, okay, sit down and be like, look, let's get this set up on automatic. Or let's have you write out all of your appointments and I'll put them in my phone also so I can send you a reminder. I can swing by and say, hey, don't forget, you know, just little things. It doesn't have to be you take over this person's life and drag them out of bed and put them in the shower and scrub them. Okay, just talk to us and figure out where's this person having an issue. So what you're basically saying is don't force them to do it and do it for them. Help them do it. But why can't we just do it? Why shouldn't we just drag you out of bed and scrub you to use your analogy? Why doesn't that work? Because that person with schizophrenia, and I'm talking about myself too, you have to be able to do things for yourself. And to the loved ones out there, if you're doing that thing for them, you're not necessarily helping, okay? You're just kind of taking over my life. And anyone knows... um, I've had my parents interviewed and stuffed, and I've always told them that the minute they refer to themselves as a caretaker, I'm moving out. <laughs> I will go live in my car because I don't like that analogy that somebody has to do everything for me. Okay. I'm not a little baby. Because you want to be proud. Yes. And while unfortunately there are a lot of things that I can't do, I can't work a normal nine to five, 40 hour a week job. I've had to make a lot of adjustments because I can't do that. I can't live alone. I get weird. But there's a difference between that and having someone just take over my life and be like, okay, well, you live with me now. I'm going to, you know, you're paying rent to me and I'm going to take care of you. And it's like you become a parent to them. And no, 
you're going to have um, someone with schizophrenia really start to uh, resent you, honestly. So you believe that a partnership works better because you've described in your own situation that if your parents who love you very much and out of love just took over your life and forced you to do everything, you would resent them. That would be traumatizing for you. But more importantly, you've said that it wouldn't work. You specifically said that you would run away. Do you think you would be better if you ran away? Because your current situation of discussing it, being partners, Mm -hmm. figuring out what you need help with and what you don't need help with seems to be working extraordinarily well. This this has been working for years. And I have run away a few times. I mean, no, I've lived. That's how we know this works is that I have lived by myself and had to look around and realize I hadn't left the house in days. I hadn't gotten off the floor in days. I'd been in the same spot, uh, laying on the floor out of it. And yeah, I could not live alone. Did I need someone to come in and do everything for me and feed me and that? No. I did, however, definitely need help at that moment. I needed to be around people because I wasn't doing anything like on my own. I just kind of like mentally shut off. But at what point I was able to realize, okay, this is not good. I need help. And I I called my dad and I said, listen, this is what's happening. I don't know what to do. And I moved back in pretty much that next day and it was great. And they didn't have to do that much to help me because just them being around was able to adjust. Just them being around, my dad kind of always checking that I was eating, you know, and knowing that she hasn't gotten out of bed in the past eight hours and him coming and bringing me food or usually it's Rachel, I made you lunch, come up here, making me walk all the way up the steps. So many steps, um, <laughs> you know, and it seems like a, a little thing, but sometimes it was huge and that was monumental. But it got me moving, not him like sitting there spoon feeding me soup. (laughs) I know you use words like he made me, but he's not actually making you right. He's encouraging and asking. Like you said, he he made lunch and came down and banged on the door. and, and, And I suppose what I'm really trying to say is that you have developed an excellent partnership with your family so that they know what you need help with what you don't need help with, when they need to step in. And I think here is the key. You all have figured out when they don't need to step in. And I think that's really the the missing piece for a lot of families out there. They don't know when to back off. Yes. They know when to step forward, but they don't know when to step backward. And on that note, just because I you said banging on the door, one thing that I found, and this is just throwing it out, not saying it'll work for everyone, um, my door is almost never closed. I always want it open because I can't live alone in general. I seclude myself off and it's the same thing with a room. I don't close my door unless I'm like changing my clothes and then it's back open again. On that note, my parents also just don't wander in my room as I am a Macron woman. <laughs> um, but they woke up to the door and like, hey, Rachel, you know. But for me, that's important because it lets them check on me without really disturbing me. They'll just kind of pop their head in. Okay, she's fine. And it gives me more of a link that if they're walking by, it helps me be like, hey, what are you doing? And I'll be like, oh, I'm going out. And I'm like, can I come? I need some stuff from Harris Teeter or from the grocery store. And I'll kind of go with her where I probably wouldn't have done that before. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. I really been out of groceries for like a week and I just kind of hadn't gotten any. And I really wanted to, but I just... I hadn't, and she she was going to the grocery store. I said, can I just come along? And the way that this really ties into motivation, and I think that's important, mm-hmm. is you've done some pre-planning ahead of time, like leaving your door open, yes. setting 
general guidelines for eating. And these have become sort of house rules. It's not authoritarian. It's not caretaker or caregivery. It's just the rules of the house. And no matter where you live, there's rules of the house. You know, husbands and wives have general house rules. Mm -hmm. It's roommates have house rules. Dorms have house rules. That's what you've established. And it's a lot less about you being a person living with schizophrenia and much more about keeping everybody in the house healthy and safe. Yes. Mm-hmm. So pre-planning is also for motivational issues. Expectations mm-hmm. are set when everybody is well. Yes. We'll be right back after this message from our sponsor. It can sometimes feel like another schizophrenia episode is just around the corner. In fact, a study found that patients had an average of nine episodes in less than six years. However, there's a treatment plan option that can help delay another episode a once-monthly injection for adults with schizophrenia. If delaying another episode sounds like it can make a difference for you or your loved one, learn more about treating schizophrenia with once-monthly injections at oncemonthlydifference.com. That's oncemonthlydifference.com. And we're back discussing motivation in schizophrenia. One other thing is that I know my big issues Okay, the clothing I talked about. Another one is eating. So I have a lot of protein bars. (laughs) I always have protein bars. When they're on sale, I'll buy like a case. So, so many protein bars because I know a lot of times I can't make it up the steps to the kitchen. But I'll have that protein bar by my bed. So, okay, okay, at least I ate something because to take my pills, I have to have some kind of food in me. So (laughs) that's another reason it gets caught on the pills thing is that, well, I haven't eaten and I have to go eat before I take my pills and everything just spirals. When it comes to um, hygiene, I actually read this on a schizophrenia form and someone said that on their days when they couldn't get out of bed and shower, they had the little, um, like you would wipe a baby with those little uh, wipes. And I was like, that's that's so smart. And I went out and got them that day. And yeah, some days that's, that's what I use, you know. I really like these examples because on one hand, the cynic in me says, oh, you didn't eat a healthy meal, you didn't get out of bed and you didn't take a shower. But that's not the level that we're playing on, right? Goal with this isn't that, yeah, I did that thing, but I did something. I did something moving me towards it, all right? That might not have been like what anyone else would have done. If the goal was to take a shower, I didn't quite get there, but I did something towards that. I took care of the problem in a way that I could, as opposed to just doing nothing. And that's empowering because previously you had done nothing. Mm -hmm. So we really have to reward small successes Mm -hmm. with this illness. We just have to. Yes. Because it's not ideal. That's why it's an illness. Correct. Uh, I mean, the protein bars thing, you know, no, I don't want to be someone who's like, well, all I've eaten the past week is protein bars. (laughs) I'm going to be incredibly, (laughs) you know, for one, sick because I also buy really cheap ones. So they taste terrible. But I did something. I'm not just laying there like wasting away. Two, three days of that, we're having another problem. But usually my parents have noticed that there's something going on. We haven't seen Rachel in the kitchen or at all. And they know when to step in. But they don't have to worry about me just completely not eating or something. They don't have to worry. Um, I even have like mouthwash for days that I don't even think I can like mentally handle brushing my teeth, which again... 
like right now, that sounds silly to say, Rachel, you can't brush your teeth. Like I even have a sonic toothbrush. Like you really just got to stick it in your mouth and your whole mouth vibrates it loose. But yeah, some days I'm like, I just, I can't. And being able to just take a swig of mouthwash, that's something. Rachel, you had the good fortune to speak to Debbie Breen, who is a therapist who specializes in counseling people to help them set goals and achieve those goals. She's sort of an expert on motivation, correct? Yes, yes. All right, well, let's hear it. We're here speaking with licensed professional counselor, Debbie Bryn. So thank you so much for being here with us today. You're welcome. Glad to be here. I think all of us in life, we're going to have times when we don't have motivation to do something. When it comes to people, you know, with severe schizophrenia, depression, and other type of serious mental disorders, what do you see that motivation-wise we struggle with the most? Our feeling of a lack of motivation is a signal that something is not right. We're not in congruence with our value system or something that's important to us and or we haven't resolved past pain. Think of it like this. Our feelings are like the instruments on our car dash. They're not good or bad. They just tell me what the current state is. If, if I'm almost on empty, it's I'm going to see the needle in red. If my engine is not functioning, I'm going to see that, that red light flicker. And that just tells me to act. It gives me information so that I can keep my car running, which is important to me. When I'm not motivated and when I lack that, it tells me that I'm, I'm dwelling on something, which is a thought that's negative. And normally, it's a very fixed thought, and it's, it's not a whole story. It's a very small part of a story, but I just stay stuck on the negative, and that's what produces the negative feeling and then the negative physiological and nonverbals and causes me to isolate withdrawal, which doesn't end well. So what we learn is what I'm thinking about is a perception, but it's not the totality of a story or thought. Most of us can't do this alone, but when we seek professional help, we learn about cognitive behavior and how we are created. We learn to realize, wow, my thoughts are skewed. I am on this habit or passive way of thinking that is negative. It's like I'm playing a rerun of only the negative things that have occurred But then that becomes my reality. And what about when it comes to working, where we're talking like the issue of like getting out of bed to go to work or just you're upset with pretty much having to go, period, like you don't like what you do in general or just not having the motivation to get up and like pursue work? One of the first signs of maybe depression beginning is how hard is it to get out of bed? And you can have a range from, oh, a little bit, I hit snooze to, I really can't get out of bed. That behavior is telling me where the thinking is, that I'm feeling depressed. I don't see a reason to get up. I'm not making a difference. I'm not motivated to go do something or create something. There's a deficit in my life, and I'm being passive with how I'm handling it, and it's not getting better going away. Hopefully, you can get to that point or someone in your life can help you say, wow, I'm seeing this and and we need to make some changes. And I have to be open to trying it another way, learning how to do it another way, maybe shifting medication. But as I move towards that action of trying to solve it, I'm doing something active, which then gives me motivation and hope that life can be different. 
if I just can't get up and get out of bed, then we need to find find support. We need to find professional help because that tells us our body is just, it's we're lacking and it's going to take more than self-effort because that's not working. We need someone to walk with us. There may need to be medication management. We need, we need to learn new skills. And again, that's a choice. And the motivation is I don't like what I'm experiencing right now. And but I need to choose to do something different. On that note, what you just said about support, that's perfect. But a lot of times people, when we're in those states of just that kind of deep depression and episode of schizophrenia, we don't see that. What would friends, family, what can they do when you see someone like that who doesn't realize how bad they are? That's a tough thing because if you're an adult, if you're ever 18, that person's got to want to get help. And, and that's where it's difficult as a family when we can't make someone get help, but we see them suffering and then, and then we're hurting with them because we love them. But there's got to be a choice with that individual wanting to take the steps. First thing is just we want to be present, whether it's mental health or we could even say, let's say, loss or death. Talking is not what's needed. We need someone just to be present, quiet, accept that this is what I'm feeling and thinking. It's, it's not a fun place to be, but it's part of life. It's scary being in that place and feeling like you're alone. So having someone just there is huge Why we're working through this. The second thing that person can do is they can validate that feeling by saying, you know what, I don't understand, but I know what it's like to feel like I don't care. Like there might not be hope. We've all, we've all had that. We're reminding that person, you're, you're not the first person to go through it. You won't be the last. This is part of our human condition. And, and just validate it, not judge it. After some time has passed, um, and I know that's relative, what we want to do is we want to pull them from the feeling state, which is where they're drowning in, to thinking um, we're just we're we're too far on on this side, and we need to bring some cognition in. We need to start changing those thoughts from all negative to okay. What can you do? What is important to you right now? What do you need? Um, so if someone is feeling what's the point, hopeless, then they're communicating to me that they want to have a desire for purpose. They want to have meaning, but they're not seeing it in the current moment. So. It, we start with, okay, what's important to you or what do you value? Let's say if it's your pet, well, I want you to focus on your pet. I want you to show acts of kindness, pet him, walk him. I want you to think about your pet and taking care of your pet. Your pet counts on you. Now I'm bringing back into their cognition a positive thought of an important relationship and that that pet needs them and they do have purpose. I want them to start thinking about what they can do, which helps put in perspective this imbalance that's going on and, and give room for them to choose to make things different. It may take time. Everything is a season. But I, I need to want to reach out to that, that resource and, and start to participate. Debbie, so if there's someone listening right now who is struggling with motivation, whether it's something really small or like a major life event where they're just having a hard time accepting and moving forward, do you have any advice that you want to leave with them? I understand where they're coming from. You live long enough 
and I'm older in years, you see life and you go through things and um, life is hard. And to go through that alone is very difficult. We, we really need, again, our support, our friends. We need a sense of community who can just be there with us um, and help care. And, and then vice versa, when we're out of that, we are then there for them. And, and there's a lot of security in that. There's something about feeling alone, which is where we feel when it's dark. Um, that's frightening. And um, it's easy to want to quit. Your brain saying it's it's always going to be hard and it's never going to get better. And, and that's not the truth. So that's a tough place to be. And this message is you will get through it, but we have to be active in that. We have to um, take those steps and it feels really hard. Debbie, where can our listeners find you? Our practice is South Charlotte Family Counseling, and we're located in Matthews in downtown Charlotte, North Carolina. And our website is www.southcharlottefamilycounseling.com. Well, thank you very much, Debbie. It was wonderful speaking with you today and hearing about your advice for us. Rachel, that was really cool. I'm glad that she agreed to be interviewed by you. I really like how she stressed that it was a choice. Regardless of how I feel, what's going on, choose to do something. Pick something and just focus on it and do it. Kind of what she said uh, with the choice thing, it made me start thinking that if you switch out motivation for the word choice, it really changes a lot in your thinking. So if you're like, man, I lack the motivation to get out of bed, it becomes, I lack the choice to get out of bed. And I'm like, well, no, I can get out of bed. You know, like what actually, well, no, of course I can do it. And it just made me start like thinking. As I mentioned earlier in the episode, one of the biggest things I struggle with with motivation is social interaction. I want friends and I know as a human, I should have friends. <laughs> that is a healthy thing people do is interact with other people. And yet I'm so bad at replying to texts and actually talking and making those friendships. A lot have fallen by the wayside. And not because I've been rude in my mind, but I just, I didn't follow up. I didn't stay connected with those people. So I did a little experiment and I decided that, okay, my issue is that I lack motivation. What's something I can do, small, that is going to help me with that? So I decided to give five people different compliments. Something about me that I would probably think in my head. Instead, I'm going to actually say it out loud. And, you you know, that's like, oh, Rachel, well, that's pretty little. No, I'm going to have to interact with five people that I probably wouldn't have said anything. But um, I did. I got all five people. I talked to one of my coworkers who always dresses amazing. His hair is amazing. He's just incredible. I just told him, I was like, Michael, you always look so amazing. And he got so happy. He was like, Rachel, that's so sweet of you to say that. You know, and we talked a little bit about fashion. This other girl at my work, she came in with her hair bright blue. This is a very interesting place I work at. I know it's already sounding exciting. But I was like, you know, your hair just really, I don't know, it makes me smile. Like it was like Smurf color blue. And she said, oh, thank you. You know, she that's a pretty big change. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's an incredibly huge change. But it was just cute, though. Like it actually looked cute on her. I don't think it would have looked cute on me. I saw this girl who had like a full tattoo sleeve, which I've always wanted, I'm nowhere near close to that. <laughs> but when I see it on women, I think that just, I don't know, it looks so cool to me. And I told her that. And of course, whenever you tell someone like their tattoo looks cool, they immediately are going to tell you the backstory. 
<laughs> they're like, I got this. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I heard how she got her next 20 tattoos on her arm. One of my acting students, they've come so far. And I, after class, was like, hey, hey, hang back a minute. I just want you to know I'm really proud of you because that today was the best you've done in the past 20 weeks. That blew my mind. That is a completely different person. This dude just completely lit up. And then on my way home, because I ran out of people, I was at the gas station and the lady across from me at the pump, she had these really cool like cat eye glasses. They would look ridiculous on me, but they look so cool on her. And I just told her, I was like, you, you look so neat with those glasses, like, like eye catching. And like, she just looked like this edgy, cool person. And she just smiled and was like, thank you. I just got them and all that. Did doing my little experiment, did it fix all of my problems? No. But my issue was that I'm having trouble with being social. And those five conversations are way more than I would have had if I hadn't pushed myself to do that. While five seems like a lot every day, because some days I don't live my house. <laughs> like, I don't have to. So, you know, um, I decided, though, regardless, every day, Gabe, from now on, I'm going to give at least two compliments to people. And so we'll start with you for today. Gabe, you are a wonderful host and co-host and interviewer. I'm always impressed by your speaking skills. You're very clear. And I think that you do an awesome job of like breaking ideas down. So that is my compliment for you, Gabe. Thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate that. And what I liked about your story, and you may not have even realized it, you pointed out like what you were thinking. I, I think you kind of showed your hand a little bit because you were like, I saw these glasses and I thought they were cool, but they would never look good on you. <laughs> And, you know, I, I saw the tattoo sleeve and I want one, but but I, I'm nowhere near there and I'm never going to get around to it. The pessimism, the, the the lack of motivation, the whatever you words you want to use came through in your own storytelling. And yet you, you overcame it instead of sitting with the negative thing and doing nothing, which yeah. by your own admission was your trend. You took the negative and turned it into a positive. Will you do that every time? No, of course not. As you said, did this solve all the world's problems? No, of course not. But it helped. Mm -hmm. I mean, now that you're doing it twice a day, obviously you felt that you got a lot of benefit from it, yes? Oh, absolutely. And it wasn't, and that's one thing I was giving backstories. I didn't want anyone to think, oh, she's just going around making up stuff to say. Those were thoughts I had. I just, you know, normally would thank them. And I'm like, I should, I should tell Michael that I always love how he dresses. Like, he just looks incredible, just stepped off the runway. And I'm like, what have you done today? And he's like, oh, I just decided to come here. I just woke up. And I'm like, you did? So good. But there are things that I think. And when I actually said these things, you know, it was kind of cool to see someone light up. And just like, I like it. We all like getting compliments. You know, yeah, that was a little interaction we had. And all those people were like, I made them happy enough to smile, which made me smile. And I'm like, go, Rachel, you connected. That is that is awesome, Rachel. And and I think that everybody should try this experiment. Oh, yeah. you know, give give one compliment a day, give two compliments mm -hmm. a week, or find out what you can do that is seemingly small and insignificant and see what kind of results that you get. Figure out what is something small and at least do something. I understand what you're saying about switching motivation and choice, but I in my ear, what I hear is like that's great for normal people. That's great for people who have, you know, typical problems with motivations. I, I kind of want to play a little devil's advocate for a moment and say, well, well, wait a minute. Do people with schizophrenia have the choice to get out of bed? I mean, can they really just will themselves forward? I, I think that a lot of people are going to hear this and think, oh, wow, this is the advice of, oh, you should just do yoga and your schizophrenia will be fine. <laughs> 
Very good question with that. I think, no, it's more changing the thought because whatever is overwhelming, changing it. Social interaction feels overwhelming. What is something that I can break it and make it easier? Okay, getting out of bed and brushing my teeth today seems overwhelming. But okay, let me break this down. What can I do? Well, I can start by getting towards the end of the bed, standing up, grabbing the mouthwash. Just what can I do? I might not be able to make it all the way in there. What is something? And like narrowing down, I get to Walmart and suddenly I'm, it seems overwhelming to go inside. And I'm sitting there. It's like, what do I do? All right. What can I do? Um, Sometimes, you know, I can just get out in the parking lot and just doing that motion. I'll slowly go inside. Sometimes I wear my glasses inside. I don't know why it makes me feel like my sunglasses. I feel invisible, even though I'm not. But I feel that way or like a really low, low hat. And I'm kind of like in my own world. And the other days it's like, you know, I'll have to go home. But instead of not doing anything, I'm going to text my mom. Can you help me get my medication? Can you help me do this thing? As opposed to just keeping it to myself. Like actually opening up and thinking, what can someone else help me with? And I think it's important to understand that coping skills have a place, right? You know, obviously, if you are in the middle of severe hallucinations, Mm -hmm. or if you're in crisis, or if you are very, very delusional, then the help that you need isn't utilizing a coping mechanism. You need more help than this could provide. Correct. So these are skills that you should use when you're maybe in the middle of the spectrum. It's it's really hard to, to sort of discuss when these skills will work. Yes. But it is a tool to put in your toolbox that you can use when appropriate. And let me always be clear to everyone. I actually, I am on medication for my schizophrenia and depression. I have been for many years. So always want to put that out there that no, I didn't just naturally, yes, use these coping mechanisms and everything was okay. And Rachel got to like, skip through the field happy. I am on quite a few medications, which have to be tweaked very often. It's important to understand, of course, that we we need many tools, right? You know, the the best painter in the world doesn't have one paintbrush. But for some reason, when it comes to discussions surrounding schizophrenia, everybody's looking for that one thing. We want one thing, and that will make everything better. This is a discussion about one area, lack of motivation. We, We do have to have this general assumption that other areas of the disease are in a good place, because obviously, if they're not... Motivation is not your primary concern. Mm-hmm. No, days I'm, uh, I say out of my head sometimes. I mean it though, like when I'm hallucinating, it. I don't need to go. It has nothing to do with Rachel needs to get in the car and go get her, her um, medication. Rachel's like in another world. Uh, so that's not the same thing as like what I'm talking about today. The big issue there is I need to deal with kind of the crisis I'm in, not worry so much about my lack of motivation. <laughs> Hey, listeners, we want to get to know you better. So please take a brief three-minute survey so we can better understand you who's listening to this. Go to psychcentral.com backslash survey19 to complete it now. So everyone who completes the survey will automatically be entered into a drawing for free $100 Amazon.com gift card. Void where prohibited. So Gabe, I, I assume I can apply, right? I can take the survey. <laughs> I, I think that both of us are exempt oh. from both filling out the survey and winning the gift card. Oh. So that just increases your odds. And we really want to do this so that we know you better and can make the best show possible. So check it out over at psychcentral.com slash survey 19.
And as always, thank you for listening to our podcast, Inside Schizophrenia. Please share this podcast, like it, subscribe, comment, and share it seriously with your loved ones. Whoever you know that you're probably listening to this podcast for a specific reason. Share it with that person that you're worried about or that you're trying to help. Or if you're that person, share it with maybe your people around you so they can understand better. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next month for another episode of Inside Schizophrenia. Inside Schizophrenia is presented by PsychCentral.com, America's largest and longest operating independent mental health website. Your host, Rachel Starr Withers, can be found online at rachelstarlive.com. Co-host Gabe Howard can be found online at gabehoward.com. For questions or to provide feedback, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. The official website for Inside Schizophrenia is psychcentral.com is. Thank you for listening and please share widely.